Morning, friends. Man, it's good to see you. Sunday morning, highlight of the week, if you ask me. Because it is on a morning like this where we open up the Word of God and the Spirit of God opens up our eyes that we might understand truth. And that is exactly what we are about to do. So I want you to encourage you to take your copy of the Scriptures and turn with me to Ephesians chapter 4. We're going to start at verse 17. As happens to so many, police officers stopped a driver, pulled him off to the side of the road, got out of the car, and as they do, walk up to the side of the window, and what do they ask? License and registration. Well, the driver was a little confused because he was sure that he didn't violate any laws, you know, but uh, sure enough, the, the police officer goes back to his car, runs the plates and uh, the driver's license, comes back, hands him his information, and begins to walk back to his vehicle. Well, the driver looks at him and says, well, what was that all about? He says, I saw you shaking your fist at the car, and I saw that fish on the back of your car, and I thought, surely this is a stolen vehicle, because no Christian would act like that. Hmm. I think it was Mark Twain that said, well, I know it was, <laughs> that said that politicians in diapers ought to be changed regularly for the same reason. And the Apostle Paul really agrees with the, the, the sentiment of such statements here, my friend, is that we ought to be different we ought to be fundamentally, inherently, and, and, and certainly the way we live our life different than those who have not put their faith in Christ. People ought to be able to see the difference. That's what Paul talks about here in verses 17 to 32. And Paul gives us a two-step process to overcome sin in our life. The goal is sinlessness. That is the goal. That is the goal in which we strive. You say, well, I, I can't. How can anyone always hit that? Okay, well, let's talk about the game of basketball. Every player, they bring it down, they pass it around, and up it goes. Does it go in every time? It doesn't, but it's always the goal. And I ask you this morning, is that your goal? To live in such a way that honors God? To choose what is right and what is good over that which is convenient and pleasurable? Questions to ask ourselves. But Paul, when you come to the point, friends, when you're ready to start living the way God has called you to live, Paul lays out here exactly what it is we need to do. Ought to be a short sermon. We only got two points, right? All right. <laughs> All right, verse 17, you will notice that Paul gives this instruction. Now this I say and testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do. Now notice these phrases, my friends, very carefully. How is it that they walk? In the futility of their minds. We're going to notice a theme about the way that people think. They are darkened in their understanding, back to the mind, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance 
that is in them due to their hardness of their heart. And so that we see the way that they are thinking is determining the way that they are living. And it ought to be diametrically opposed to how you and I live here today. We ought to live different because A, we are different and we serve a different king. The unbeliever serves himself. He is on the throne and what he wants or she wants and what she longs for. And what uh, these are the desires of their heart and that is the only thing that matters. Regardless of who gets in the way. Regardless of how we feel, we will always want what we want. It is the very nature of sin. And we ought to live differently. I see a lot of big eyes here, but I'm wondering if I'm finding any agreement on this. I mean, we're reading the Word of God here this morning. And so notice verse 19. We see in verse 17 to 18 the bad thinking. Well, their bad thinking leads to bad behavior, verse 19. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greed, to practice every kind of impurity. Stinking thinking lives to bad living, my friends. You can write that in the pages of your Bible. Just the cover, though, not in the important spots. <laughs> Stinking, bad thinking, my friends. It's wrong thinking. If you think that the purpose of life is to be happy, you've already set your goal on the wrong thing and you will head in a direction you ought not to go. You've got to recognize that the only thing that matters is what is God's will for my life. Because God's will is perfect. God's will is good, ultimately leading to our change and his glory. Friends, that ought to make your heart beat a little faster. To think that you could be one of the people in all of history to be right smack dab in the center of God's will. Living for his good and his glory. And God uses people like that, ordinary people like me, extraordinary people like you, to put us in the right place, to say the right things to the right people in the right timing that transforms a life. To live in such a way as people look and see the manner of your life and say, what's so different about them? It becomes an evidence and something that the Spirit of God can use to convict the unbeliever. Say, there is a different way to live. I've witnessed it. How are you living? How are you living here today? What are your goals? So you've got to take off the old self. That's instruction number one. And we're going to read those words as we uh, get down to verse 22. But certainly this is the point. You've got to put off the old life. You know, when I was in high school, there was a, day, a song on the radio called Glory Days. Sorry for planting that one if you were around. <laughs> you know, uh, Going into a roadside bar, I was going in, he was coming out, we sat down, had a few drinks, and all he kept talking about was glory days. 
You know, he could throw a speedball by you. I got a friend from high school that is in the Hall of Fame in baseball. So that's literally kind of a real connection. His name is John Smaltz. You may recall he pitched for Atlanta, you know. Um, But, man, we got to stop looking back. You know, we got to stop looking back and start looking forward into what is the what is it that God would have for me as a man? How should I be living? And then look at the realms of the spheres of influence in your life. How ought I to be relating to my wife as a man of God? How about my children? How about my neighbors? How about other people on the road? In every area of your life, it ought to be, you ought to think differently because of who you are. And so, friends, we've got to put off the old self and live differently. Now, how do we do that? Well, we'll get there. But you'll notice in verse 20, we're going to find, in verse 20 to 32, our second instruction. The first one is, stop living the way you've been living. Put off that old self. Verse 20, put on that new self. And how do we do that? Well, we need some new education. We need to learn about life and how to live other than what the other kids in school did. And it's true, it influenced every one of us, probably even still today. You look at a particular brand of tennis shoes. Well, I want to get those, you know? It is amazing, the peer pressure, the pressure of others to conform. Paul said, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed. How? By the renewing of your mind. Yeah. How do we change? Put on our new self, a new education. Verse 20. But this is not the way you learned Christ. Assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus. We ought to live as Jesus lived, pursuing to live in such a way to honor his Father, our Heavenly Father, bring glory to the name of Christ. So a new education is how we're going to put on this new self. And it's a new way of thinking. Look at verse 22. Put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life. And is corrupt through deceitful desires. Those desires. My friend, every sin starts in the head. Every sin starts in the head. You're thinking about it. You're thinking different ways about it. You're thinking about it. And then suddenly you're acting on it. Because the way we think determines how we behave. What we believe determines how we behave. This has got to be the, I got to get one of those. I got to have one of those. You know, it's a danger of uh, that big, thick newspaper with all the ads in it, you know. I don't know what your Sunday looks like. It used to be laying out all these tools, you know. What one do I need now? I don't know yet. I got to find out. And you know how that's, what it's tools or something else, my friends. You got to figure out what you want because you don't know yet. And that is just the desires of the flesh that says the only way I can be happy is if I experience that or if I own this. And it's a lie. 
I mean, if it were true, you would already be satisfied and happy, right? Because you already bought that stuff, remember, 20 years ago? And you just had to have it, and it cost a little more than you could afford, but you bought it anyway? Yeah. Friends, got to change your thinking. The old self is, is marked by corrupt thinking. Put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life, and is corrupt through deceitful desires. Deceitful desires, they lie every single time. That thing sitting on the shelf or in your cart on Amazon is telling you, this will bring happiness. Oh, how different your life will be if only you own this. Get it, buy it, take it home. And it's just a matter of time before it's full of dust and it's just in the way and you're kicking it around as is the way of all things, my friends. The old self is marked by corrupt thinking, but renewal begins with new thinking. Verse 23, you know, he says, put off your old self. Here, verse 23, he says, and be renewed by the spirit of your minds. Renewal begins with new thinking. How do we change our thinking? How do we change our thinking, friends? Have you ever thought about that? <laughs> A little play on words there. So how is it? How do you change the way you think about someone and something and the way that you're living? How do you do it? Well, fortunately for us, we know the answer. It's that book you hold in your hands. Input determines output, my friends. What you take in will most certainly come out. You listen to the way people talk and little words that you aren't in your vocabulary and suddenly they are. You know what I'm talking about. The more you hear it from them, the more likely you're going to be like them. What you take in, friends, will determine what comes out. And so you need to take in the Word of God. Like, oh man, I thought we were getting something new here today. The same old read your Bible, read your Bible. <laughs> How about this, friends? Study your Bible. Everything you take in, take it a paragraph at a time and say, hey, what's Paul talking about here and what's he saying about it? Those are two very important questions in Bible study. What is the writer saying and what is he saying about it? Now, old Sunday school, reading about Noah's Ark, you know? All right, here we are in Genesis 6 to 9. All right, what's the story about? It's about this dude who built a boat. Is it? Is that what it's about? Well, it certainly includes that. But surely there is something more important there. Something that we, we ought not to read this and say, maybe God wants me to build a boat. Well, maybe metaphorically speaking. Yeah. If people don't get on that boat, they're going to die. Friends, ask the question, and what about it? What is the writer saying about what he's talking about? So change your thinking. Renewing the spirits of your minds. Romans 12, verse 2. I quoted it earlier. I'm going to say it again. 
Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God and what is good and acceptable and perfect. And that, my friends, is the study of the Word of God. You read it, you become familiar with it. It becomes a, a part of the reason why you act the way you act and the way you talk, the way you talk, and how you will never talk like that again is the way to recognize the things that ought not to be in our lives. You've got to be reading the Word of God. You say, yeah, my eyes, Pastor, get an audio Bible and slow it down. The goal is not to get to the next chapter, my friends. The goal is to discover the truth that changes our lives, how we ought to live. One of the wondrous things about the Bible, and there are oh so many, is that there are characters in the Bible, men and women. Some of them make extraordinarily good choices. And you step back and you say, whoa, how in the world could this person do that? And then there are other people that make such foolish choices, and every one of them a warning for us. You think about David as a boy. There's this giant, nine-foot-tall, big beast of a man, Goliath, and David's like, I can fight him. <laughs> and you think, That's a, that is not a smart little boy over there, you know? He's like, God gave me a bear and a lion. I can take this guy. And David looked at this situation with God in mind. God has enabled me to do this, and God has enabled me to do that. And surely, these are more ferocious than this. And you look at the life of David, and you see him fight for God's holiness and make stands. And then you come to this Bathsheba moment. He's looking and there she is with his eyes, sensuality, and then his mind, this touch of his skin. Well, we won't go there, my friends, but you know how it works in the mind. David committed adultery with this woman. The shame and the disappointment, the shame on the name of God. This is a man of God that does this? How about this? Take a look at the beer. Is this the way a woman or man of God lives and talks to other people? Change your mind, friends. And as long as you leave that Bible in your car so it's ready next Sunday, you will continue to live the way you live. This is not about willpower, okay? This is not about, I will really try to be a good person today. This is about being a transformed person. You read the Word of God and the Holy Spirit uses the Word of God in our minds to change the way we think and conforms us to the character of the Son. A new way of thinking, my friends. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Look at verse 24. And so here is our second instruction to put on the new self created in the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. 
So this new way of thinking begins with new thinking, <laughs> a new input, godly input, and it results in renewal and holiness. This renewal results in holiness, holy living, and suddenly you're different. And it wasn't because you were trying, it was because you were transformed. I wonder if that's ever been your experience as a believer. You know, when I trusted Christ, I mean, I grew up in the church. I knew I'm supposed to pray and read my Bible. So I trust Christ and I'm like, God, I'll read and I'll do whatever it is you tell me to do. I don't care what the effects are. You show me to do it and I will do it. I don't care. And I did. By the power of the Holy Spirit, I didn't know it then. I figured it was just me. You know, here I should do this and so I do it. But I obeyed everything that I could understand. There's a lot in the Bible I couldn't at that point. Led me to the Moody Bible Institute. So I could be a Christian who knew his Bible. And people started saying, what's different about you? And I decided I need to go to, <laughs> I got to go to some school that will teach me the Bible. And I find one, Moody Bible Institute in Chicago. And I tell my parents that I want to go to this school. And my dad's like, I mean, literally, well, you're the last one I thought would go to a Christian school. <laughs> but that is the impact of the Spirit of God using the Word of God to change you. Has that been your experience? That you're different? Do you ever look back and say, how could I have even done that? I mean, what was the process in my mind that I lived that way? It's one of the signs of change, my friend. One of the signs of change. So it's a new way of living. Look at verse 25. This new way of living. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. So one of the ways of this change, some of the some of the identifiers that you have been transformed is that you speak the truth. Error is spoken, my friends, not on accident. It is manipulation in order to make someone think a certain way about you because you are the most important thing in your world. That changes in Christ. Look at verse 26 and 27. Controlling yourself Paul says, be angry and do not sin. Do not let your, the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Anger is a great way, my friends. Anger is all about, you're making me feel badly. You're making me angry about something. And anger is always about their fault, right? You're angry. It must be someone else's fault. They made me angry. Nobody makes you angry, my friends. Anger starts from the inside. It is a result of thinking and the condition of your heart. Now, there is a righteous anger, but that's not, I don't think Paul's talking about that. He's saying, hey, you sin against somebody, go make it right. No, don't pray about it. Go make it right. That's the answer to your prayer, is that God says, go and confess your sin to your neighbor. And seek reconciliation. So speak the truth. Control yourself. Labor honestly. Look at here in verse 28. Let no thief, let the thief no longer steal. 
but rather let him labor doing honest work with his own hands so that he might have something to share with anyone in need. Wow, you notice the difference there? That didn't end the way you maybe anticipated. Stop stealing, go to work so that you can have stuff for yourself is the inherent selfishness. Paul says your, your mind must change the way you're thinking. You go to work that you might have something in order to share with someone else. That's love, my friends. The sacrifice of the labor and the gift to someone else. That's a different life. That is the life that God wants for you, for every one of us. But you've got to change your thinking long as you keep taking in what you're taking in, you will continue to put out what you're putting out. Look at here in verse 29. <laughs> that, that heart of giving and sharing with someone else. Look at verse 29. Let no corrupt talking come out of your mouth, but only such is good for building up as it fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. One of the evidences that your life has changed is the use of your tongue, the words that you speak. Yeah, one of the biggest challenges for me as a new believer was changing my vocabulary. It was not honoring to God, but it was a habit. You know, this event, out comes these words. It's got to change kind of stuff doesn't glorify God. Instead of griping all the time, how about encourage people? Well, you can't do that on your own, my friends. You've got you to have the Spirit of God using the Word of God to change who you are on the inside, this new self. And here in verse 30, cooperating with the Holy Spirit. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Two things here, my friends. Know that it is, it is very possible to grieve the Holy Spirit. And the Spirit of God is trying to lead you, drawing you and bringing things to your mind and convicting you of sin, but you continue to turn your back and stiffen your, your neck and harden your heart to say, I will stay where I am. I will not change. And you grieve the Spirit of God. Do not grieve the Spirit of God, Paul says. By whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. You see, it is the Spirit of God who seals us, protects us, marks us. He is the guarantee of our inheritance. See, you and I, we, we have this inheritance in heaven. The presence of God and all of his people. Richness of living in the presence of God, secured for us who have believed. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit. See, even right now, probably there's some people wrestling about this. Yeah, yeah, I know I'm supposed to read the Bible, but it's hard and the light and my glasses don't work like they, and you've got one excuse after another. How about this? Why don't you write those guys down and start defeating them? If your glasses aren't working, get some new ones. Or get your, your husband or your wife or your children to start reading it for you. So really great practice, by the way, reading the scriptures to your spouse, taking turns, 
There's, there's something about reading the Word of God out loud. You really have to think about what you're saying. Yeah. But figure it out. It's worth it. And then here we find in verse 31. This is the ultimate evidence that your life is changed and that you love one another. Look at this. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with malice. But be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ has forgiven you. God in Christ has forgiven you. Your attitude toward others will change, but you've got to change your mind. You've got to. And the only way is the Word of God. Get the Word of God in your mind, in your heart. The Spirit of God will use it to change your character. Who you are determines how you live, my friends. Got to get the Word of God in you. Once again, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. By testing, you may discern what is the will of God and what is good and acceptable and perfect. So my friends, to wrap it up here this morning, to wrap it up right here, right now, if you want to change your life, you've got to change your thinking. If you want to change your life, you've got to change your mind. This is where it all starts and stops, between the ears, my friends. And the only way to do it is an intake of the Word of God. Lots of ways to do that, my friends. When I was a young pastor in my early 20s in Niagara Falls, New York, the radio station there was really wonderful. You wake up, the radio comes on, and, and it was one great solid preacher after another. Just good, solid teaching, one after another, bringing it in, constantly thinking about. Every time I was in the car, when I was at home, my wife and I would just, hey, did you hear what this guy, you know, just new things. But you got to take in the Word of God, open up those pages or turn on that computer, open up that tablet or phone and get in there. Do it. I have experienced the life change of taking in the word of God and the spirit of God and I'm pleading with you. Take that step. You will not regret it. Though it be difficult at first and though there may be things you don't understand, there are amazing tools out there and I will recommend at least a thousand of them. <laughs> what I'm saying is it's, it's just the opportunity is right before you. The riches and treasure of life change. Friends, don't just turn your head and walk away from it. I plead with you. In 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 13, Peter writes, Therefore, preparing your minds for action, being sober-minded and setting your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. 
And as obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. Don't be ashamed to the church. Don't be ashamed to the reputation of God the name of Christ, because reading the Bible is just too hard. Get in there. So take an inventory of your sin. I would recommend you do just that. And for the brave, ask for help. What is going on in my life right now? Start to recognize sin in your life. Start to recognize these things. You know, don't be like our driver in our opening illustration, shaking your fist at other people in rage and anger. Recognize it. Maybe it's sloth. Too lazy to get in the Word of God. Take an inventory of your sin, my friends. And note this. Sin always starts between the ears. Take an inventory of what you've been taken in and ask yourself this question, how has it influenced me? And yet, once again, to overcome sin, and the only way to overcome sin is to change your thinking. You've got to get into the Bible.